0: This is Matt Allison, author and artist of Kankor. You're
1: listening to 11 o'clock comics.
0: Wow,
1: that was nice, David. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> I appreciate you. Oh, that's nice. To hear. I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate everyone, don't we? Most everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost Everybody everyone. who voted the right way. <gasps> oh, yes. Appreciate them. I forced family members to vote. Forced We them. had no votes at for them. We had our mayor.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, it was obviously all local stuff. and some propositions. My neighbor, Ron, he actually, he, um, we have two polling places. Across the street at the library or down at the, um the Lincoln Depot museum by the train station. So my neighbor works at the Peekskill train station. I saw him yesterday when we came home cause he works the third shift. So I asked him, he's home all day. Did you vote? He's giving me all these excuses. I had to rip and running. I was doing this for my mom. I was moving furniture, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he's like, now I got to get ready for work. I'm like, well, that's great because you can fucking vote down by your job. And as Renee and I are walking, to our polling place i get a text and he sent me a photo
1: of his i voted sticker so all's right in the world well if he sent you a photo then you know it happened it a- absolutely because there's I mean, no proof, proof without social so photography. not
2: everybody knows but at least yes. i know so there yeah. you go
1: there you go and you know that you're in for a good time because this is 11 o'clock comics episode 879 and i am vince b
2: R. I B. I am David A. Price. Ooh, it's true, and
0: I am Spike
1: Witwicky. Did you read number two? I didn't read it yet. It just came out. I didn't read it yet either. <sighs> You're Jason Wood. You, you, cannot, you cannot be Spike Witwicky. I can't? No. Damn. No. All together now on this, a good old-fashioned, let's-just-talk-about-comics episode of 11 O'Clock Comics brought to you by CheapGraphicNovels.com. The proof is in the pudding and in the name, CheapGraphicNovels.com. Omnibu, Collected Editions, OGNs, Manga, you wants it, they gots it at far less than the retail price. Remember, you're going to place an order. As you will, because you want to save money. Like, why would you pay more for these things than you absolutely have to? So you're going to place an order, and you're going to get an email confirmation that says, thank you very much, smart person, for shopping at CheapGraphicNovels.com. And you're going to reply to that email saying, you know what? My buddies, my dudes over at 11 O'Clock Comics sent me, and they, meaning Max, are going to gift you with free shipping on your next order. That is an incredible bonus. We know how shipping is these days. It's just stupid expensive. So you can bypass that on your second order and save a whole bunch of money at CheapGraphicNovels.com. Go there. Make sure you tell them we sent you or you're not going to get anything extra other than savings, which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. No. You know what else isn't a bad thing? Crappy-ass segue as it is. Mm. Um, beer is not a bad thing, and I have plenty. And diverse, okay? So I'm, jazz. I'm finishing the Sweetwater Brewing Company 420 Strain G13 IPA, which I absolutely love. This may be the go-to beer. I'm thinking, this is it. If I had to drink nothing but this for the rest of my life, I would be a very happy man. But I'm going to mix it up. I'm also drinking another delectable brew from Samuel Adams. This is called Old Fezziwig, rich and spiced, seasonal. Uh, it's a lager. Yeah, it's a lager. I love Sam Adams. Call me basic. I don't do. Really, I don't really care you call me that. I love Sam Adams beer. Just love it. If I lived next to the brewery, I would get a, a line right from one of the their vats right into my house. And I would just drink Sam Adams all day long. Yeah. I'd be as big a job at the hut, but I don't care. It's delicious. There we go. That's what I'm drinking. I
0: legitimately was thinking the other day how I forget what beer tastes like.
1: Oh, that's sad. It really isn't. It is. (laughs) No, it's very sad. (laughs) Yeah, I... uh, What are you going to drink in Valhalla? They don't have wine in Valhalla. Mead, Right, Uh, mead, which is... uh, You are going to Valhalla. I'll I'll drink wine, dude. I'm sure there's casks of wine. They don't have it. Yes, they will. No, they don't. I've been there. They don't have it.
2: The Stovacorn drink blood wine.
1: Just bypass that. Just drink blood.
2: (laughs) With a hard shit broom juice.
1: I. He didn't say what he was drinking, did he? Oh, you're right. Shit. Shit. Wow. Wow. How about me? Damn. My radar.
0: I am drinking Glacier Cherry G0.
2: That's probably why I cut him off.
1: I kind of oh. like the Glacier, but I'm not down with the cherry.
2: It's so good.
1: Is it, yes. though? Although I fucked up the other night. <laughs> oh, yes, what I did this weekend? <laughs> Saturday. Saturday, I was putting in the miles, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Always. Oh, no, but like... Do know. Yeah, I'm Saturday's legit normal. offended by the commercials. I really am. But go ahead. How are you... What? Because they make... It, I know they're designed to do this, but they make you feel lazy. They're just like, get up off your ass, get on the bike, ride, bitch, ride. And I'm just like, what? I'm watching Hallmark. Get this shit off.
0: Oh, I didn't even. I don't. I didn't. I don't know that. I, yeah, okay. I, I don't. I never see commercials. They're very so motivational.
1: motivational.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like,
0: what the
1: fuck? Yeah, they're motivational. So I don't need it.
0: Talk about riding on Saturdays, and you were saying the commercials. Like, okay, okay. No. Um, but, but I. There haven't been. Um, like when I ride long times, you know I'm just I'm I'm stacking rides together, right? Like that's the way mm. I do it. Yeah, that's how I do it. But, yeah, but but uh, but for the first time in six years, there was a 120 minute ride. Um, so I I and many of my long distance brethren and C- cisterns were uh, were were on the ride, and uh, it was glorious. Two straight hours, not having to stop, it was great. But See? go ahead, boy. But halfway through, though. <laughs> I was like I didn't really prepare I was like ah uh, I, I didn't so I I didn't have enough water you know I ran out of water and I'm like damn so I'm texting Holden I'm like trying to get Holden to bring me some water <laughs> so I'm like all right whatever so I have a, a G0 you know which I usually use I drink after I work out for the to get the electrolytes back I'm like all right I'm I'm i uh, I'm going to get a little sip of this here keep 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 it, keep the train rolling and uh it almost crushed me like it almost crushed me I I there was like a 2 minute Moment where I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to stop. Like uh, it was terrible. I, I was like, man, I can't do that again. That's that's a terrible mistake.
2: Did you ever two hours or not having water?
0: No, drinking drinking the, the oh G- drinking the G-Zero. Drinking this okay. the ride. Yeah, it was it was a bad decision.
1: Mm. Did you ever have to poop on the bike? No, never. No, you've, you've well, ridden. No. You have had thousands of rides. You never yeah. like like oh. You mean, that never happened? I mean, I'm sure it's happened more than I'm like, oh, when I'm done, I got to go.
0: I mean, like, hop oh. you know, off. Oh, like, that's. I've definitely gone, like, after a ride. like I'm
2: Oh, but know.
1: not never during. No. It's, it's <laughs> not, it's
2: not. Let me pause this. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let, me make sure that, let me make sure the instructor can hear me. Now, oh. see, if that was oh.
1: part of the Peloton experience, Did I'd be you, like, down <laughs> with it.
2: I've never had to stop a ride mid-ride. Oh, <laughs> right. Tiptoe. So did, did, you, you said the first time in, in six years, did they just not – was there a special occasion or they just don't do two-hour yeah, rides?
0: Well, I'm hoping it will start uh, – so Matt Wilpers is one of the instructors. He's also one of the people who does the longer distance. He, he does like a 90-minute ride every two months, and he does a 60-minute ride every two weeks. Um, but he's like – because he's a uh, he's a long distance – he was a collegiate uh Long distance runner, and then he was a professional cyclist, so he's like one of the like legit sort of like endurance people on the staff. But anyway, he uh, it was his birthday, his uh, 40th birthday. So nice, and okay. uh, he got to prove the 120 minutes. And he said that he was joking during the ride that uh, the producers are like, "Well, it's your birthday, so we'll let you do it," but like nobody's going to take this ride. And then there were <laughs> 6,500 people on it live, and then over 20,000 people have taken it. So he was like in your faces, and, and Seriously. I think. We, we, that number, I think they'll have more because he was like, "All right, well, I think we're, I think we got the green light to do these more often." So,
2: do the uh, do the libraries last forever, or once, or after like six months, they put them in a vault and never be seen again?
0: Here, a little bit of column A, column B. They they, okay. they they theoretically have all the rides, um like they don't go away for like on any regimented schedule, but they do take down a lot of the rides over time, and I have no idea why. I suspect uh part of it is that. Until Peloton came public, they were basically stealing music. Right. Like, they knew they were. <laughs> like, they knew they owed, but, but, like, they didn't have the money. And then when they came public, they settled for, like, I think, like, 800 million bucks they paid to, like, you know, basically catch, pay off all the time they stole the music and then and then have the rights to use any music they wanted going forward. So I think um, a lot of the rides that are backwards looking that they probably didn't get clearance they had to remove because of the music stuff um but yeah like and then sometimes they just take stuff down i don't know why they take stuff down maybe because like you know they they, i mean there's no uh there's no filter while they're recording so sometimes there's you know well a lot of times there's profanity and stuff so i don't know if I, i have no idea i don't know why they take but but not everything is on there to your point um when he was doing the ride he was like oh this is the first ever 120 minute ride on peloton and someone in the audience like the live audience you you can't hear them, but he was he was like wait what? Some they were clearly talking to him, and he was like wait, and someone in the audience told him no, this is actually not there. There was one six years ago when Christine Cole did, and he was like oh I didn't know that, and he's like is it on the platform? And they're like no, it's not there anymore. So he's like ah, so even he didn't even know. So like yeah, it's not they're not all on there, but a lot of stuff's on there. I mean you can go way back. I think part of it too is they probably realize from a storage perspective like. Nobody goes back that far. Like no, like no, nobody goes back five years to a ride. Like it's just like I don't think anybody. I don't see why you would, because you'd have to scroll. There's not like a search. You can't, you know, you can't say show me the rides from November, you know, you know, 2017. Like that doesn't like oh, okay. there's there's no. You can't do. You have to. It's like a, you're just scrolling. You know, like like you're literally just right. like. So mm-hmm. I don't know who would have the patience to scroll through
2: hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of a type of ride to try and find one from five years ago. It's the same thing with the um the Fitness Plus app. You can you can filter it with trainers time or or type of um type of flow, but yeah, you're not gonna be able to like say, Oh, I wanna find something from like August ninth of twenty. But do you uh, Do you guys
1: question? remember why we're here?
2: Right, well, but so this is uh, my last we, question we, because we, I also I haven't gone yet, but <laughs> do you I know I've asked this before, I think. Um do you ride for, for distance or for time? Both.
0: Yeah, it, dep- it depends on the day and what I'm doing. Okay. Um, I mean, I always, I always, well, the actual answer to your question is this, it's always time because that's how Peloton structured. Like, like you take a ride, it's a, it's a time to ride, right? So, like, I'm always riding for a specific amount of time. But okay. Whether I'm, but but how long I choose to ride, how long, like, how many rides I stack, and the level of exertion varies depending on what I'm trying to do. So, like, Yesterday I did like a 45 minute, 45 minutes of, of Tabata, which is like high intensity. You basically sprint for 20 seconds, then you rest for 10, sprint for 20 seconds, rest for 10. You do that for, in this case it was 45 minutes. That's like high intensity, like cardio where your heart's racing like crazy and you like it's super intense. Then like on a day where I'm doing like 50 miles, that's more of just like a steady state. Like I'm basically just pedaling at like a pace that I want to be at. which is usually for me like 21, 22 miles an hour. And I'm just trying to keep that pace. For for the for the whole duration until I'm done, you know. So, but it depends. I mean, it depends what you're trying to accomplish.
2: Gotcha. We
0: I mean, don't know John Pasquale, but you know.
1: Ah,
2: <laughs> <sighs> sorry, Vince.
1: Just don't let it happen again.
2: I am yeah. drinking.
1: Uh... What, did he... <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> oh my god, dude. Okay. <laughs> I hope Dab's drinking comics so we can get this bitch back on schedule. <laughs> uh, it hasn't even been an hour yet. Oh, my God. I'm going first. Go ahead. Oh, that's new. Yeah, It is new. It's so new, it's novel. Go ahead. Make their small batch,
2: unblended American whiskey. We got to no get cubes, No cubes, no rocks. We do. Um, but I got this. this, I, I got to... I gotta kind of kill this like nip in here. There's a chill going down my back, so I'm, I just I went with the whiskey because it's the season. It's nice and warm. Didn't want anything with ice, so there we go.
1: I woke up before. I thought I was at McMurdo Base. I'm like, holy crap! It's cold in here. It was w- wicked cold. Yeah. I was looking for the thing. I wasn't trusting anybody. Like whatever. <laughs> I have something for Jason because I knew he would want to hear about this. You love him. I do. I love him so I much know. that I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my brother and uplift him with the gift of comics. I have been a fan of uh, the 2099 universe like forever since its inception. I think I'm not alone. You guys enjoyed it. No, I I wasn't a fan. Of of what? The twenty ninety nine universe. Yes. Yeah. That no, wasn't Ooh. my thing. Really? Yeah, we've talked about this before. I didn't
0: I... read it. I didn't read I didn't read I didn't enjoy, I, I didn't read much of it. I didn't didn't stick with it. Hmm.
1: Okay. Maybe I will con- convince you to try it because um mm-hmm. uh, well, try lo- it. Like long... I said,
0: I've tried it. I just it wasn't it wasn't, yeah,
1: wasn't Alright, it's weird. Uh long time <laughs> fan. So I hold it very near and dear to my heart, as with many things uh, from very specific periods in Marvel history. Like I, I, the majority of the stuff may be lost on me, but there's these little isolated pockets of goodness that I love uh, from Marvel, and 2099 was one of them. Uh, with the exception of Ravage, which isn't really horrible, but definitely the ugly stepchild out of all of them, the 2099 books. Um, so. If someone's going to take a stab at 2099, uh, I I scrutinize very closely. Mm-hmm. And they don't get a lot of leeway. If it doesn't click immediately, I'm done. I'm out. Now, I know this writer is hit or miss with many people on the slack. Um they use it in the, the whenever they, they bring this man's name up, it's it's kind of in the same vein as good chicken bad chicken, right? How, how, you know, that's supposedly a thing with many people. And I guess it kind of is, right? Especially when Scarlet Witch came out, they're like, Oh, I hope this is good. Steve Orlando and it was, right? It was, it's a good series. So Steve Orlando wrote this and I was like, All right, Steve, you got one chance to win me over. So I read, uh, Spider-Man 2099 Exodus, which is not what I want to talk about, but I read that because it is the precursor to this book. Had that not been very good, I would not have read this. And this, what I'm going to talk about, was even better than Exodus. This is called Spider-Man 2099 Dark Genesis. It was written by Steve Orlando, as I said. Do you know who illustrated it? Justin Mason. Have you ever seen Justin mm-hmm. Mason's work? I have a commission from Justin. A pro- he has a visual approach much like James Heron, I I think he's very close to James Heron in terms of stylistic little tick study, imparts into the work. Um, color art by Jordan Boyd and Antonio Fabella. DAP, I'm talking to you. This book mm. is loaded with characters. It's only a five issue miniseries, but it is so chock full of characters that. The pace of the narrative is crazy. There's so many characters, there's so many things going on that it's like lightning fast. You don't, not, there's no sitting around watching TV, you know, kicking back with some beers. There's no deep introspective moments. It's all action. I'll tell you some of the characters that appear in this miniseries. It is the first appearance of Wesley. Nakao, do you know who he is? You don't know who he is, so I'm just going to tell you. It's Eric Brooks's son. It's Blade's son. But, like Dad, Wesley has an affliction where Blade had the, the taint of vampirism. Wesley, in addition to being a surgeon, he's also a zombie. And what do zombies need? They need human flesh, right? But this is Blade's son. So I don't think Blade's son will be going around. And he's a surgeon. You know, he he's taking the Hippocratic Oath. So I don't think a surgeon and Blade's son will be going around just killing people and eating them. You know how he bypasses the whole uh, must-consume human flesh thing? He 3D prints. <laughs> human. It's That is really smart isn't it he's got a, a maker bot in his, in his little you know um area and he just prints a nice little wafer of flesh blah, 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 and then you go the taint is alleviated albeit briefly i thought that was really cool and he's got the you know he's got the katana the swords like like dad it's he's cool right uh daredevil nine nine is in this eric nelson who was created way back in the day by who do you remember? who created daredevil 2099 oh no warren ellis huh yes okay uh moon knight is in here created by len kaminsky in 98 who was the guardian of the inhuman's base in the blue area on the moon and he has a a crescent crypt on the moon that's his his spire base Now, I loved Punisher 2099, and he's in here, but this is not the Jake Gallows we knew from the ongoing Punisher 2099. He's in really bad shape in this book. Um, At one point, he's nothing more than a head, a remnant of a spine, lungs, and a little bit of intestine. Like, he's just fucked up. Um, But he's placed in an Android shell, and his mind has been – it's kind of like RoboCop. It's a lot like RoboCop, actually. Um, His mind has been manipulated by Alchemax um, into, like, serving them. And do you know the nickname of the scientist that performed the the operation on him? Just take a guess. Microchip. Ah, they ah. Ca- they call them microchip. Like it's all this is feel good comfort comics, right? Uh, there's a venom in here, Jason. So this oh will boy. make yeah, it'll make you happy. There is a venom, but it's not Eddie Brock, and it's not anybody related to Eddie Brock. It's a young lady named Aaliyah Bell. Jody Hauser created this character, and she's a survivor of a horrible accident. Uh, that also killed her mother. Like, she was scarred. Her arm is all messed up and scarred. So she was, like, bullied. And um, Alchemax did an experimental procedure on her, which was based in part on, what do you think, the Venom symbiote, and the rest is history. There's another first appearance in this miniseries, and this is going to light up Jason's world. It's uh, an Alchemax shareholder named Michael Eric. And you know the whole status the whole dystopian future of nueva New York everything's based on the card system, which were implants mm-hmm. so if you have an aluminum implant you're basically a worker, you're a drone you're low level economic socio low level, and then you know it goes gold and and it it goes platinum and then platinum plus but the top tier in the feeding chain uh uh, was the black card, and the black card made you above the law? You had limitless wealth. You were one of the elites. So this this Michael Eric was a black card carrying. Not my people. Yeah, yeah, D- yeah. But it's not pretty for them because in the previous miniseries, uh, Miguel O'Hara uh, abolished all the black cards, got rid of. Oh, them. not my people. So now there's a power vacuum within Nueva York, and there's chaos because the the dickheads, the uh, abusers of society, the ones that took, never gave, abused, um, they're now at the bottom, Uh, so things are not pretty. And they blame Miguel for, well, they blame Spider-Man for uh, sowing all this chaos and discontent and just violence and all that but whatever so this michael eric was a Alchemex uh shareholder who was somehow given possession of something that he stored in you know his ritzy apartment uh which was stormed by these aluminum card holders they they break into his crib and they they loot and steel and they rough him up and he barricades himself in a room and he he opens up this door and he's got this vial of stuff and it breaks and it gets all over him and guess what was in that vial venom uh close carnage yes there we go carnage so now this michael eric becomes carnage 2099 And this Carnage needs blood to survive. So he goes on a rampage in the all-you-can-eat buffet that is New York. Um, And Carnage has a real hard-on for Miguel's mutant blood. Like, there's one scene where he pierces his leg with his tail, and he's like, hmm, this blood, yeah, I want more of this. So um, Ghost Rider 2099's in here, David. And he's sleeping with Lila. He's sleeping with Miguel's AI gal pal, Lila. Now, how do you you think that happens? Well, there's one scene where she's talking to him. She's like, we got to do this because Miguel's special to me. And Ghost Rider does not like Miguel at all. But anyway, because in the previous volume, Miguel does something that really puts Ghost Rider in a bad spot. And so they're not friends. But Ghost Rider is outfitting Lila with upgrades, and there's a scene where she's she's you know asking him to do something, and he's like <laughs> she's like okay, we can commune in our own little private server and share our data. She's saying I'm gonna fuck you after this, and Ghost Rider's like okay, uh, yeah, what do you, uh, I'll do it. You know, I would too. Remember how Leonardo drew Lila? Like, yeah, I'm there. But um, one of the big bads from Alchemax, uh, this board member named Mr. Cecilson, real dickhead. Um, he's manipulating stuff from behind the scenes. He, the Carnage symbiote was used by Alchemax to try and uh, develop some, uh, you know, curative Uh, properties like blood diseases cancers stuff like that they were they were using the symbiote to try and alleviate i i shouldn't say alleviate because it is alchemax they're trying to make a lot of money on you know the sick and the dying by offering this revolutionary treatment that would cure these ills but at the at the core of it was the car what's the the carnage symbiote so Carnage and this this Cecilson are in the same room, and Carnage just beheads him, just kills him. And he he continues to do what Carnage does, and the head starts talking. Like it's like, wait a minute, I'm not done with you yet. And Carnage is like, what? He turns around, and it wasn't uh, a human. It was the Loki of the 2099 universe, which is Halloween Jack. If you read the X Men 2099, you know what this character is. And so Halloween Jack and Carnage team up to do what they do best, which is instigate chaos. And it's just a whole bunch of fun. Like, I I thought this miniseries was great from the beginning. It's just all action. Punisher's messed up. Like They they outfit him like Robocop. He's got this new Android body, and he's working for Alchemax, and he's shooting people that were once on his side. Like, what is happening? And then, um, you know, obviously he turns but the 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 whole thing is just carnage and halloween jack going on a rampage it's there's no deep um meaning to this thing it's just all it's a it's a summer blockbuster action movie in the 2099 universe you know who else is in this that i i did say it daredevil 2099 there's a double page spread with daredevil and he's jumping across buildings in the, the Eisner fashion, like you see multiple instances of his body doing these, these, um, wonderful flips and turns and gyrations and stuff. And it is gorgeous. This double page spread is just amazing. This, uh, James, Justin Mason is just freaking phenomenal. Uh, that's what got me into it. See, the, here's, I'll let you in behind the scenes because I love you. I saw the art from this before I read Exodus. And then I, I, uh, started this and then not too long into it it's like uh there's an editor's note and it's like all these things that we just told you about on these past two pages uh played out in the miniseries Exodus so I'm like god damn I gotta read that first so I put this on hold went back and read Exodus and it was good but this this is awesome which makes me very very excited for the upcoming miniseries which is tied to this called Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man 2099 because not only is a continuation of this goodness, but you know who it features in one of the issues. Man Thing, twenty ninety nine. Oh awesome. snap! So I got to get it. But this is this is just wonderful. It was delightful to read this. I just pure, unbridled fun, and I recommend if, if anyone out there is a fan or has fond memories of the twenty ninety nine universe, you should send Steve Orlando a thank you card because you're going to read this and you're going to love it. It's that good. It's a lot of fun. That's great. We should do a we should
0: do a symbiote trivia f- with you one of these episodes. Uh,
1: I'm not Peter Rios. I don't have instant recall. Mm. Uh, yeah, big picture, yes, but the fine details, mm. no. I, I don't pride myself on that kind of thing. There life. are a lot of symbiotes, dude. But in the latest issue yeah. of Venom, it's it's I have to admit it's borderline stupid that Natasha should have a symbiote. She doesn't need one. She's perfectly capable, all on her on her own, you know, as the Black Widow, but she's widow in Venom and she has a symbiote. Like hmm, I think that's really close to pushing in. Like there's a giddy part of me that's like <laughs> that's you know, because it's Juan it's 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 Natasha in a symbiote, so nothing is left to the imagination, right? That's fun, but does Natasha really need a symbiote? I don't think so. <coughs> Certainly not. But I am, if there's ever a mark for the symbiotes, it's me. Oh, this is true. You and Steggy. Oh, my dude. I love him. So there you go. Spider-Man 2099, Dark Genesis. Read it. You're going to love it. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm going to do, Dad? I'm going to come up with a list of
0: names. And then (laughs) next week, I'm going to ask Vince, is it or is it not a symbiote? Yes, that's perfect. All right. Because there's a lot, like you could there, say yes probably to every answer. Yeah, married there in the there period. is a lot. There's a lot,
1: <laughs> and it's not even Eddie Brock in in the symbiote anymore. It's the sun now. Which yeah. figure that out? Because it's the proportions are all different. But when he venom when he venomizes or whatever, he's giant like like Dad. Like
0: it's just Dill, You mean Dylan, Dill, right? Yeah, Dylan.
1: Dill, I just Dill. don't understand yeah. it. I don't get it. But it's whatever. It's fun.
2: That makes as much sense as uh well, the osborne Thunderbolt grandson.
1: Ross's mustache disappearing when he becomes Red
0: Hulk with oh, black sure. hair. I was gonna say the uh isn't the osborne grandson um a
1: symbiote these days? No, he's a goblin. He's red goblin. Red goblin. Yep. But
2: but That's but, a fun yes. book too. Oh, no, no. In, no. in seven hundred yeah. he did get he did get hit with uh, I was with gonna say he's yeah, people. he was he was Rascal. His name is Rascal.
1: Yeah. Misery uh Liz Liz Allen is a symbiote. She's, mm-hmm. she's called misery. It's it's nuts. This is nuts. Oh, speaking Eddie of Brock
0: Oz, has been so Eddie Brock's been Venom. He has been uh, toxin. Yes, he's been anti Venom. Anti Venom.
1: yeah So he's um, got a lot of lot of uh, experience with the symbiotes. That's why he's not dead. Eddie Brock's not dead. They, they quotes dead, but so that's why that's why Dylan took over because he's looking for Daddy. Right, fun stuff, isn't that? I'm pleased, like it. I'm pleased that you. May, I'm pleased that it pleases you. It it pleases me greatly. It yeah, really it does. Good. Yeah, I know that when I pick up one of these books, um, like say the book of the month would would be Monica, right? And I'd be like, oh fuck, because I know there's going to be a lot of heavy lifting. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to look for nuances and and, and metaphor and, and symbolism. Fucking Venom, I just <laughs> go in. It is what it is, right? It's just good, fun comics. And Not that I don't like books like Monica, but there are times when I just want to run into, I want to play in Nueva York. I, I don't want to have to use the part of my brain that, that discerns subtleties it's just fucking carnage running around sucking up people's blood like okay that's all i need at the moment no doubt whatever <laughs> they just things they just give me joy i'm sorry i'm not i'm not you know what screw that's that i don't have to, i don't want to say i'm sorry i like these books you shouldn't apologize exactly. i don't apologize i don't shit i don't apologize for anything i fucking read it's true exactly I know, but you all love it so. Well, uh huh. We, I would never deprive you of your joys. I know that. It's true. Let's That's let's there. continue. Let's do it. Well, t- <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's do it. Well, um, I'll just go right to the best thing that I read this week. Because it's already late, you guys were just meandering about other things for too long, so I'm mm. gonna get right to it. got it gets to effing as they say. Um, Take the bridge. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs>
1: humanoids, you may have heard of them. They oh, nice. Some
0: pretty, some pretty badass comics. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. No,
1: yeah. But did you? I'm, I don't mean to derail you, but did you see in the latest previews that the Metabaron Second Cycle is being offered in not one but two flavors? I have not
0: looked at the uh, previews for this month yet.
1: You can get a trade paperback of all four chapters, which when I say chapters, they're 120 pages apiece. You can get a trade paperback which collects all four volumes of the Metabaran Second Cycle for like it's I think the cover price is 50 bucks, so it's much less other places, right? Oh nice. And you can get volumes 1 to 3 in a previously offered hardcover edition. And volume four as a specially priced hardcover edition. So if you bought the hardcover, they're they're offering the last chapter in hardcover formats to complete your hardcover set. But if you didn't buy any of it, you can buy a four-in-one volume softcover. It's nice of them to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Nice. So we uh, yes, we we have humanoids to thank for this. They brought over a I believe this was French. A classic French bon dessené, although you would know it from the subject matter, the art style or the name of the artist. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, It is The Cat from the Kimono, uh, written and drawn by Nancy Pena. Um, And like I said, you would assume she might be uh, Spanish or Latin American, but I looked her up. She is, in fact, a French artist. And has put out twelve graphic novels, um, so she's been around for quite a while. I must have. I, I, if I've read something from her before, I don't recall doing so. So, um, but um, but this book is one of those books that is very difficult to describe, um, better seen. But I can tell you that it was amazing, and in no, in no small part because it's hard to describe but I'll give it a quick try. Um, First of all, Pena's art style, most of her work, like the majority, I was looking around at some of her old stuff, like the majority of her work, if you were to describe her art style, it would be, um, she renders in, in a form of like, that it looks like engravings. Like she, she's inspired by 19th century English engravings. Like that's how most of her, her comic storytelling looks. Um, in this book, she took, uh, two approaches. Um, a good chunk of the story once we get into the narrative is her, her classic style, but it is, um, interstitially it's, well, the beginning of the book and then interstitially we get a very different style, which is that of a very ornate Japanese paintings, uh, like Japanese murals. And that's because of the subject matter, which is that there was a beautiful maiden. Uh, she's the daughter of a, uh, a very successful Japanese businessman who owns a silk mill, and uh, he spoils his daughter rotten, as, uh, as as dads of daughters are wont to do. And he's always having his um, mill workers create beautiful new kimonos for her to wear. Um, at one point, the most talented mill worker creates uh, a kimono that is uh, red silk with black. Uh, cats uh, sewn into it like silk cats and it becomes her favorite and she just loves it. But unbeknownst to the maiden, uh, the mill worker who creates these kimonos is smitten by her. He's in love with her. So he professes his love to her and she basically laughs him off. She has no interest in him. You know, probably because he's a, you know, a peon, what have you. Um, so he feels some kind of way. So he creates a kimono for himself to wear of uh cats uh, not of cats of uh, of mice and he he and when he walks in to see her uh the kimono with the mice is so well rendered that the cats on her kimono became become agitated and start pulling her towards their towards his kimono and uh and and this continues where until it gets to a point where um uh she gets so frustrated that she sneaks into his uh bedroom one night i guess you know lo- like like stealth style takes the kimono and over the course of the night paints um bloody spears through each and every mouse on the kimono and when he wakes up he sees his kimono is now rendered full of of spear dead mice and uh, her cats no longer try and chase them but him being you know the talent that he is he's like oh fuck this bitch uh uh, i got something for her so this time he creates a new kimono and it's of uh of of herons of of you know of, of birds and uh and the herons are much stronger and they have much more appeal to the cats and the cats go batshit crazy when they see this heron kimono so crazy that one of the cats actually manifests out of her kimono into the real world as does one of the herons and it runs away chasing after the heron and she is beside herself because not only is her kimono fucked up now but the cat that escaped was the one that sat on her heart and was her favorite so she's just feeling some kind of way see this all of all of this is rendered in like a japanese fairy tale vibe right in this in this painted japanese painted style like these big murals but then the book shifts to a completely different style, which again is more akin to, if you're familiar with her work to her normal work, much, a much scratchier sort of single line weight, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, less detailed, uh, um, uh, style. And we basically get this crazy adventure of this cat that has manifested. And the cat goes through almost like a, like a forest Gumpy type of a journey. Um, it, it, it uh, it survives for a while. Um, it it it's in the ocean. It escapes and falls into the ocean, and then a giant fish eats it, and it eats the fish from the inside out to sustain itself. And then it keeps doing that. It keeps jumping, get getting intentionally getting swallowed by big fish, and then eats the fish until it's gone. and And then eventually, a, a fishing ship finds it and and, uh, and and brings it onto its boat. And hijinks happen there. And basically, the cat is looking to reunite with. Uh, the the maiden and the kimono, and and it it comes to pass that the maiden ends up moving to London, and so the cat ends up in London, and it gets really weird from there because now this cat is wandering through London, and who does it have an adventure with? Dap Sherlock Holmes and Watson, <laughs> and Holmes is fucking out of his mind because he's seeing the cat, and the cat's you know it's 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 a magical cat manifested from silk, so it's it. It takes different forms, it can grow, it can look different, and he's bugging out, and he thinks it's the cocaine that he's on. And Watson's like, dude, I tell you, you gotta get off this stuff, and he's like, I, so he thinks, so he's bugging out by the, like, he's thinking he's seeing things. Um, then uh, the cat has a run-in with Alice from Alice in Wonderland, um, and and it goes on from there, and it's like just this crazy, like, wildly quirky non sequitur adventure where this cat has all these different run-ins with different pieces of English you know, lore and, 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 and fiction and, um, and, and it eventually comes to a resolution, um, which I'll, I'll save. But, uh, but our man Watson's involved in the sense that, uh, kimonos are a very hot fashion style in London at this point and, his wifey's begging him to get one of these kimonos, but dude isn't making any money right now because Holmes keeps taking all these like pro bono cases and uh, Holmes is like, nah, dude, like I, I promise you, you, need to get your wife a kimono. i like, we're going to take a big paying case next time. I promise, you know, like all these like crazy little asides, like I'm reading this book and then all of a sudden it's like Sherlock Holmes and Watson like, wait, what? And it's like, it, it just was really fascinating and super weird and definitely like nothing I've read ever before, which I love. And uh, I was totally here for it. So I have to check out more of her work. I don't know if, if how much of it's been published in English. I hope there's a bunch. Because um, this was just delightful on every level. I mean, her visuals are great. The storytelling is great. Pacing, it's fun. Uh, it was a little bit creepy the way it was rendered, which I think it should have been. But also, like I said, you had these like these strange little like run-ins and unexpected cameos. And it was just a blast from start to finish. Um and it was a pretty quick read. It was like uh let's see, I don't have a page count. Um hundred and one pages. So not not really that that of a onerous endeavor. Um yeah, and I think it's great. I, I, I think if you're an indie comics fan, this is gonna be one of your favorites of the year, I would I would dare say. So you got to check it out. It's the cat from the kimono by Nancy Pena via humanoids.
1: Black, white, and red. Perfect. Yeah, black yeah, that's right. It's perfect. Yep. Looks really nice. I love
2: it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, since Vince went down memory lane. Um a Little hunter talk. No.
0: Uh a Talk? What talk? A little Lobo talk, a little Grendel talk, a little There's no,
1: no Lobo book being offered currently, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately.
2: Well, he said to walk on the memory lane. It
1: could, could be going the way back. Oh, well, now.
2: yeah, but no, well, it'll, it'll it'll make sense just like Vince is all about the, the 2099. Uh, there's a sequel to um, Superman 78, still written by Robert Venditti, this time not illustrated by um, Alfredo Torres, which is fine, but this is the first issue of a new mini called uh, Superman 78, The Metal Curtain. Uh Illustrated by uh, Gavin Goudry and uh, colors by Jordi Belair. Um, And the issue starts off with the usual, we're we're witnessing from afar Krypton exploding. And um, what is shooting through space, you think might be the, uh, the crib, the cradle, the the ship that brought Cal to Earth, um, but after a few pages, you realize it isn't. It actually lands in a Baruda, USSR, in 1951, uh, in a shed on some farmer's property, and uh, and he's just the dude is just staring at this meteorite not wondering what the hell to do with it we then cut to metropolis decades later um what i like about goodry's art over torres in this case is that i like his version of the margot or lois lane a little bit more than wilfredo's um they both do a, a good job of uh of, of giving you that that aweshucks, christopher reeves expression whether he's clark or superman um, but the story is it's it's a complete setup for, for what's going on. Where the, the bulk of the issue, we're watching Superman in action because Lois is um, investigating a story where she is. Um, it, it's apparently uh, the U.S. Army is um, is packing something something onto a truck. And letting it leave a warehouse. And and Lois is recording this conversation. But being Lois, she draws attention to herself. um, And the colonel, who was kind of spearheading things here in this little operation so far, uh, he puts her on a little dinghy because they're by the docks. Um, She's screaming, you know, you'll all be court-martialed. Do you know who my father is? I'm warning you, this is your last chance. They tie her up, they gag her, actually they tie her up with chains. They gag her, um, this Colonel, Colonel Evers, He uh, he's, he's letting Lois know, I know exactly who your father is. I'd like to be there when he hears his daughter is dead and destroys the tape recorder, um, turns on the engine to the little boat and lets it go off into uh into the water as it's on a collision to the side of a, of a big oil tanker um lois is trying to scream through the gag uh she mumbles something that would be very similar to superman uh who of course comes and swoops down and saves her uh he doesn't stop the boat from hitting the bigger boat um and, and the crew is starting to sink so he goes and rescues them um seals up the boat makes sure everything's nice and um uh, and then heads back to Lois um the next day we're at the Daily Planet where Lois is convinced this is the story of the century um but Perry is like hearing none of it because there's no sources you can't we got no witnesses um and uh and all the while he's talking about how dangerous this story was um and all all you know Perry's like you got to the story's just too risky of course Perry is talking about the the story itself and 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 how to vet it and and make sure it's everything is is up to snuff and all Clark is talking about that um that it, yeah it was risky because you know Lois was out so late in that dangerous part of town and 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 Perry's not here none of it great conversations it it, it this I think reminded me more this felt like more of the first movie than the first mini series and I did enjoy that um but I'm liking the setup on this one. we then cut back to now moscow um and uh and there's a secret military bunker and we, um, uh, Colonel Evers in in air quotes, uh, we see somebody's uniform uh, basically being incinerated um, in, in some oven looking cremation device. Uh, It turns out that um, Colonel Evans, Colonel Evers was, was just, he was a ringer. He was not, he was, he's not an American citizen. Um, so while all of this is going on, this dude is telling, uh, the former Evers that, um, you know, Superman is, is, uh, is, he's, he's basically a, a living work of propaganda. Um, he, uh, he exists only for his own achievement. He is held separate and apart from the people. Um, and, uh, it's just all. All this anti-American um, rhetoric going on in this conversation um, introduces Evers, the, the the guy in charge, to uh, to Kryptonite, and uh, and and he says, uh, "You don't need to fear it. It's it's harmless to us, but to him, it's poison." And um, and we we see the reveal of um, of the ultimate. Soviet soldier Um, it's uh, it's it's basically a big version of like the it's very similar it's almost like a cross between the design is is similar to 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 Luther's um, exoskeleton with the high collar but it's very reminiscent of uh, of Tony Stark's mark one armor um but it's basically it's 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 introducing metallo to uh to the movie universe so um this dude is going to get into the suit it's the end of the issue uh the americans will uh they will call you metallo your name will mean america is no more and and homeboy's just like all grinning about putting on this suit talking about how he's going to make he's going to make the people proud and 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 that was the end of the first issue so uh it'll be yeah, you know, American versus Russia, I guess for for, for some of this series, um, I it'll be interesting to see how uh, I, I'm curious to see how how Vinny's going to. Obviously, this is after the first movie. We've already established that uh, Superman and and Kryptonite, um, his reaction to it just in the first movie. It's not like it was it was a big reveal later on. Uh, so he's. Ex- He's had experience or at least he's interacted with, with with kryptonite before but uh never in this particular uh state so yeah i just thought the art was neat i thought um i, I, I think robert vendetti does a does a solid job of um of recreating the the movie universe the cast the dialogue um with the uh with the stories he's He's told so far with with the first mini, and now with this first issue. But uh, I, I didn't. Like I said I, I enjoyed the first book. I wasn't sure. I, I thought maybe based on how that first mini series ended, that if they were going to do a sequel, it was going to go somewhere else, not this. Uh, but but I'm, I'm 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 okay with this first issue with this setup. Don't know if we're going to see Lex. Don't know if, if Lex still in prison. Don't know if we're going to call back anything from the first mini series. Um and and there wasn't there really weren't any markers in this particular issue to let me know. Uh to let the reader know, I think, uh, like which movie movies this may fall between. Uh so yeah, I'm just taking it at face value, it's another story um in the in, in the super early Superman movie universe. Um But yeah, I, I, I dug it. It was it was it was a nice surprise. It 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 could have gone one way or another, um, I'm on a uh, I'm 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 happy with it. So, I, but also, I mean, being the first issue, I could say that you probably just pick this up without because, like I said, there isn't anything really connecting it to the first mini. Uh, so, you could probably just pick this up um, and then run with it uh, as it comes out. See so ya. Yeah, I I it. I, I checked it out. Not not after I saw Vince's list with Spider-Man 2099, but I figured I'd at least um, mention this as kind of uh, a bookend of sorts to to the 2099 talk.
1: You want to hear something kind of funny? Always. You wouldn't know this uh, because you don't live in proximity to me. But uh, for many decades, there was a tuxedo rental uh, chain local chain called Metallo's Formalware okay so whenever I hear the name Metallo I'm thinking oh he's fighting the fiend of Formalware he's going to to try (laughs) and gussy Superman up for the prom or something like it's just it's one of those triggers that uh, because it was a local place and everybody got their their tuxedos there it was you know the only place to go Metallo is the uh, the Formalware king <laughs> that's great. There you, it's not. It's just silly. It's love just it. something no, that. It might, silly, I yeah, it. it's silly, but yeah. I'm not i Probably you didn't call him Metalo Vince because that's not his name. <laughs> Metallurgic, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a word in there.
2: Yeah. <sighs> oh, all right, it's Spanish
0: for. Me. Listen, how was it? How was was it? Maybe uh, two, three weeks ago that we talked about Mobulous, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
2: cool. yeah. Well, uh, New York Comic Con
0: yeah okay, that's right that's right okay there you go well we're back we're back again Mr. juni ba the man of a thousand books um just uh less than a month after mobilis hits the stands dark horse gives us the unlikely story of felix and macabre
1: Boy, you just now, hate me with the featured image do you what do you mean because i want to put something you've read on the featured image but if i put this yeah. title there's room for nothing else like, read something that has, like, one or two words in the title. Really? Yeah. Read an X-Men book.
0: I'm <laughs> going to just read great comics. How about that? Like, All right, and, okay.
1: We'll, I could just put pop. Junibah. How about that? I'll just put Junibah. There
0: we go. Yeah. So it's interesting because if you go back and look at the
1: solicit materials
0: for said book, um, Dark Horse is, like, an all-new, all-ages graphic novel by the team of Ba and Hassan atman Elal. Now that is a very hard name. I've seen it a lot. He is one of the probably the, the better known letterers in comics these yes. days. And this and uh, but but it is his name is quite a handful. But I'm pretty sure it's it's Hassan Atman Elhau. That's how you say it. But anyway, um, they but so I'm like oh brand new graphic novel. But then I'm like wait a minute. I don't. I'm not sure. Like something you know was like I this doesn't. I feel like this has come out before. Well. I don't know how Dark Horse gets away with billing it as a brand new graphic, all new graph all new graphic novel, because this was actually a project that these two gentlemen did together seven years ago. Uh and it was crowdfunded through um an early Kickstarter competitor called Unbound. Uh they were more like a zoop, I guess, in that um they published the book for you. You know, if you if you got it funded, they they published it. Um I Don't know if they're around still. I can't think that I've ever remember backing or seeing a Unbound campaign. But nevertheless, um, they backed. They made this book through Unbound. Now, I'm guessing that the reason Dark Horse is packaging it this way is, one, because these two gentlemen's profiles are much higher now than they were seven years ago. And two, I'm guessing Unbound, because it was crowdsourced and self-published technically, that it never was really like published in in a great quantity right like that would make sense so even though the book did exist in a prior form it's probably largely out of print it's probably not been read by many people so like i get it little you know whatever little marketing gimmick neither here nor there the point is it's like me i think the vast majority of people are discovering this for the first time here this month um, now what's pretty neat about this well there's lots of things that are neat about it but what's really cool t- to see this just weeks after reading mobilis is is that this book was made when Junie was 23 and 24 years old. Junie's in his thirties now, uh, or just turned 30, I think. And so the, the style of the art is vastly different. Still great, very much, but different. And if, if those of you that are familiar with Junie's work, this book looks more in terms of the, the, the style and the, Sort of, there's a little bit more of an edge to the line. It's a little bit more frenetic, a little bit like a little bit looser. This remind me more of like monkey meat than than. So if I had like kind of a if I had to make a, a path of 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 rough freneticism to polish, it would be this, then monkey meat, then julia and then Mobilis. Now, I, I happened to see an interview with Junior, a written interview not too long ago and he actually made the point that no I mean Mobilist is his most recent work, but it's not just a question of the style in Mobilist looks more um more finished and tight, but by design. He he wanted I think he said he wanted Mobilist to be like his coffee table book, like his 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 one Foray into like uh, highbrow, you know, like comic making. Like so, he really took his time, and like the line weights are very, like everything is very finished and polished and um Versus these books uh, are, are meant to be a little more uh, frenetic. But but either way, if you're a fan of Julia and Monkey Meat stylistically, you'll absolutely love this book too stylistically. Um, Dap, you may not realize because I don't think I don't I don't know that you ordered this book yet, or if you if you haven't read it. But but it is a uh, wrestling book. This ah. book, came, yeah, this came together because uh, Hassan, who I, I don't know if he still does, but at some point he also made a living as a uh, as a documentarian, and he was making a documentary about a decade ago on professional wrestling, and that he knew I guess nothing about professional wrestling before that, and one of the things that he was uh, taken by as he was making this documentary is that. Uh, the the lineage of professional wrestling and how so many kids basically that got it. Well, how many people got into the business as kids because they idolized these big giant, you know, men that, that they saw wrestle and wanted to be like them much kind of the way, you know, the whole super superhero mythos. And he was fascinated by that. So he had this idea of making a comic about that. And then unbeknownst to Junie was an arts, just graduating from art school. And he reached out to Hassan Uh, just, I think professional networking, you know, just, just, and, and they became fast friends and Hassan said, I love your work. You know, he saw samples and I think, I think Junie had created a graphic novel or two as part of his, his degree. And Hassan said, let's do a book together. And that became what, what that became this. And it took basically close to eight years for the finished product to reach most of our eyeballs. Um, But it's the premise is it is a monster book. Both Felix is a is a child school age. um, I'm guessing like middle school, like he's an awkward, undersized kid, hasn't gone through puberty yet, gets picked on mercilessly by the bigger bullies in the school. Um, And it's a it's a world of monsters, right? Like, you know, that kind of thing. And um, and. You know, it's, he's just having a tough time. I mean, he's like I said, he's little. He's not confident. He, pe- pe- people are picking on him all the time, um, and he's desperate to obviously, you know, go through puberty and and be able to defend himself and the like. And there's a big old house in their neighborhood that's you know the old haunted house. Um, every every town has one, right? And and through a set of circumstances, he ends up having to go to the house and. You know, ring the doorbell like and this gigantic hulking old man, well, old monster, but he's a monster, but he's, you know, an old, old, like anthropomorphic, like old monster man. He opens the door and it's it's who we find out to become macabre and they end up becoming intertwined and we kind of learn about their stories and their history. Uh, macabre was like the best monster wrestler of all time. You know, he was he was the, he was the goat. And so Felix adores that and he wants to hear all the stories and he dreams of somebody becoming like him. But as he's getting to know Macabre and learning of his history, uh, Macabre's view of his life isn't the way that Felix sees him. Macabre's life, even though yes, he did become the most popular monetarily successful, famous wrestler of all time. He's a sad old man now who has no friends and, part of that is because he basically bowled over everyone to get to get to get to where he was you know he suffered no fools he um he 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 broke friendships and and loves and 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 relationships uh at every turn effectively to become the best of the best right that was the price he paid that was the uh you know the uh the the the, the devil's com you know contract if you will and and uh and so we we see that journey right and 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 then felix and we see how Felix adapts to that and has to come to terms with whether or not like, he wants to follow the path or not. And I'll, I, you know, I'll leave some of that because we do see how Felix's life evolves and goes from there. But it was just this really wonderful story. And the neat thing is, again, it's like one of those juxtapositions that the, it's an all-ages book about the cycle of life and kind of being careful you get what you wish for and how maybe the things we aspire to when we're young aren't necessarily what we ultimately want, especially if it comes at a cost that we didn't anticipate when we were young. And uh there's a lot of beauty in that. It's a story that's been done before in other ways, but the fact that it's done this way in Junie's world building where it's this, you know, this 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 crazy existence where there's all these different creatures it's that it makes it it makes it really appealing from because of its uniqueness in the way that it's rendered right like it's hard to you wouldn't think you could root for monsters right I mean no there's probably a lot of people listening that were Pixar kids saying what about monsters saying? it's like that vibe right like you, you end up rooting for these like creatures that are supposed to scare the shit out of you but because they're humanistic and have hearts you you end up kind of becoming you know adherent to them and thinking oh that's pretty cool. Um so it's just really it's really well done. I mean, like I said, the the character designs are pretty cool. Uh, it's definitely got like a Tim Burton vibe to it, you know. Um, like there's some like definite some like Nightmare Before Christmas Beetlejuicey kind of things going on, you know, with some of the monsters. Um, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was great. It had a ton of heart. It is an all ages book. Um, so for those of you out there that are always on the search for that, and uh, if you're in any way a you know, a grap a graps fan, which I know Dab and I certainly are. Um, there's that vein of it too. So it, it kind of checks a lot of different boxes and brings them together and you would think in in less deft hands it could have been like too much going on, right? Like, like it's almost like, oh you so it's a wrestling book and it's a all ages book about cycle like of life and it's a monster book. It, it it can sound like it's too convoluted, but to their credit they do pull it all together in a really well done well-executed stories. So um, I really thought it was terrific. And I think it's really fun to read two works from a creator at two very different points in their career in such, such, you know, in back to back, you know, basically less than a month, because uh, you can really compare and contrast. I mean, I think probably by design, I'm sure that's, 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 I'm I'm sure that's not something that Junie would, would, um, would like, you know, be against people doing in this case. So, um, yeah, really, really awesome stuff. And, uh, I think Juni is, uh, man, he's, he's just having a hell of a couple of years, right? Like, I mean, it's funny cause I think some people think he's burst on the scene over the last three years, but as, as we've come to learn, I mean, a lot of the work we're seeing from him now is stuff that he's been working on for, for quite literally a decade and it's all just finally coming to a, to a, a head. So, uh, so, you know, kudos to him, well-earned kudos to, uh, to Ottoman LL2 um I don't you know, Vince Dapp, I don't know if did you guys ever read Panel by panel? Cause that was like know not the first time I've ever heard of him. He he put that panel by panel book out for a uh, magazine out for years. You know, it was about about the comics industry. I, I but I didn't I don't think I've ever read it, so I know that's where I first heard of him, but um I don't think it exists anymore. But uh did you, did you guys ever read that? I have not. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think he won an Eisner for it and stuff. Like I said, it was I definitely knew of it, but I never I never found myself coming across the magazine. But uh um, but either way, um, yeah, so really cool stuff. And, um, you know, I think Junie is either completely or at least trending to the model of, of like, a DWJ where he's now at his, a point in his career where he can, he wants to and can just create his own stories, write and draw them. Um, but this was a case writer where he was drawing in conjunction with a writer. Um so, you know, but I don't I still very much felt like a Junie Ba book in as much as there's some, you know, in, in as much as I've I've read his his other stuff that he wrote. It, it's, it didn't feel like a big departure from that stylistically. It seems like these guys definitely vibe in terms of how they wanted to go about making a comic. So, uh, yeah, really good stuff.
1: Nice. Well, are you both ready?
0: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're you're told me over at the beginning with that with that symbiote. I know, it's but you, you
1: still got that. some air in your tires. Now we got a tag team, all three of us, on something we've oh. read. Yes, Finally. Yes, yes. For the people, for the people playing at home. If you ever wanted to see the Wolfman tear off a young lady's face with his oh, teeth, oh, there we go. Man, boy, howdy, have I got a book for you! It's called The Midnight Show Number Two, written by Colin Bond, illustrated by Brian Hurt, color art by Bill Crabtree. Holy mackerel, Andy, I wish I got this last week, but rectifying that oversight, it continues right where the first one left off. The chaos is erupting at the Argent Theater, you know, you remember, we talked about this recently. It was the site of Basil Saxon's film festival screening uh his lost and apparently haunted masterpiece, God of Monsters. There's a tornado of bats that spew from the screen, along with, yes, you guessed it, Dracula. And he's putting the bite on the theater patrons. Art emerges into life, which affects art. This is great. Uh, Abigail Jenner, you remember the the Scream Queen, that was in the lobby, bored out of her mind. Well, she takes matters into her own hands in this issue, pun intended, and she squashes bats barehanded just, just squashing bats man uh dr morbid uh mr Oswald, jason and the kids flee into the streets but the streets of cedar bluffs are changing and people are dying along the way i don't want to give too much away just read the damn issue uh the the streets of, of cedar bluff uh, bluffs are changing what they're transforming into something out of a hammer film but not a Dracula film. No. The film was called, and and Dr. Morbid knows immediately, he's like, wait a minute. This is not a Dracula film. This is Gulp, Terror of the Wolf, the second film in the series in which the werewolf had been bitten by Dracula. And he's not a werewolf. He's a necrowolf. What? <laughs> what is happening? And then he rips off Portrina's face. In graphic detail. Uh, see, here's the deal. All of the monsters. Uh, you, so you have the mummy, Amon Rezar. You have Dracula. Frankenstein. And again, it's okay to call him Frankenstein because in this instance, Victor's brain has been implanted into the monster's body. So yes, Frankenstein. You have the Necrowolf and I don't like the name, but I guess they got to get around it somehow. The Dweller, which is, in essence, the creature from the Black Lagoon. All of the monsters are at war. They're all killing their way to the top of the food chain. The exalted position of God of Monsters. And people are dropping like flies. Uh, Amon Rezar kills a very, very, very special member of the cast. I was sad. Um, And then throws down with Frankenstein, who is draped in car batteries. (laughs) He needs electricity. He needs the juice. So what does he do? He wires up a bunch of car batteries. And he's got them around him like a freaking bandolier. It's great. And then somebody shows up at the end. I really don't want to give too much away because I think the joy in this is just experiencing it as it unfolds, right? But we have to talk about something. And if you're a monster kid, of which I am, of which Matthew Allison is, and Gordy, we have a bunch of, of friends that are monster kids. You guys know what monster kids are, right? Yes? I'm I'm, I'm
2: going to guess those of you who were brought up on the monster serials. No. The movies, not the... No, no, no.
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, if you if you were born like in the 60s right you were lucky enough to experience the second wave of monster mania right okay. it started in the 50s with with famous monsters and it just and the 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 the, the syndication of all of these great monster films in the shock through the shock theater package right Um, And then it it cools for a little while, but then in the 60s, it ramped up again. And Famous Monsters was the shit, and Aurora, and all of the the Mego, and and just Captain Company. and Yeah, so there's two waves of Monster Kids, of which we, our friends, myself, are the second wave. So this book speaks to Monster Kids, because it's just plain... uh, you know, monster club fun. There's all the monsters and they're all fighting and they're, they're classic monsters, give or take, you know, and I think it's wonderful. It's just, it, 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 again, yes, it's entirely nostalgia based, but when you have somebody like Brian Hurt in the driver's seat delineating these creatures, it is an awesome sight to behold. Is it not
0: Absolutely, like we said after the first uh issue like like it, it is I had forgotten how much I love Brian hurt's artwork uh yes. it had been a minute since I saw it.
1: I liked him on the six gun and 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 the yep. damned and, and the like band, every yeah. yeah but this to me like this is right, smack dab within the chambers of my foul beating heart, like this oh it, is, it's, that's it's why we were so
0: excited if you read the first issue yeah. after, I, after I read it, I was like, oh, this is is
2: going to spot when he sees this. Yeah, his, It's his, almost
1: like... Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, just his Frankenstein is is a tad too handsome. Right. There's a little bit. Like, he's not as grotesque as he should be. But his Wolfman is not the Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman. I think it's more the Paul Naschy Wolfman, which is, oh, stop. Like, that that is the i mean i i i don't want to be branded a heretic i love launching junior but the paul Nashe wolfman is like that's my wolfman i love it and and uh, it's just creepy and 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 just dripping with the ambiance that we love from these movies the fact that the very streets of cedar bluff uh, are changing to mimic the actual backlots of these movies and the you know the the, the scenery from the, that's just great. So it's yeah. it. The, and look at this: the cover of the second issue with Frankenstein yes. reaching out of the screen into like I'm also a sucker for 3D movies, <laughs> always have been, and this is just it's again it's comfort comics, I, I, no bones about it. But this one strikes smack dab right in the middle of my heart. So it's going to be tough. I hope this miniseries ends before the end of the year. It may be. It doesn't. It, it. it doesn't? The, the third issue comes out on December 6th. Oh, shit. We're done now. We're done. Um, Can I change the rules and bend the rules? The,
2: no. The, uh, well, listen, the bulk of the miniseries will have been completed. But that's never been,
1: that's never been enough for you. It can't be the bulk. It has to Why end. are we worried about me? Because Whatever, you're the you the authority figure here, so it, oh it, it, it has to end within the 2023 20, brackets. Yes,
2: I know what I like, but that doesn't show me. It doesn't
1: qualify. How... It doesn't qualify. Unfortunately, me, listen.
0: Lots of people that vote do vote for partial miniseries, but uh, yes. and as much as DAP uh, sometimes may go a, a, a little too uh, you know adherent with the with the faux rules, I'm with them on this. If if a miniseries is finite by definition. I don't know how you can make it your favorite thing in the year
1: if you haven't read all of it. Like that's it what I'm saying. Sense. So it yeah. d- I mean, I doubt that Cullen and Company are going to shit the bed on the fourth issue, but you never know. It could be a musical number. Well, it's just.: ruined. It, There we
2: go. What's what we're feeling. Is it possible that if we get the fourth issue PDF from Dark Horse? No. If you read that, it, I I understand. Look, I mean, I'm with you. Like, if if what's the cover date? When was it? When was it on the stands? That, Technically, that's it would be finished because I if, yes. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. But it's no, done. I mean, if I called Colin up now, he'd probably be like, "Yeah, here's the fourth issue." But it's I I I I, I love you,
1: and and and
2: I absolutely respect your decision. It's no, I'm
1: not. Uh-uh. Um, uh, um, it, it could fit into the fa- favorite single issue category though. The first issue was pretty damn powerful, and it had first my heart. Issue. It had my heart a sing it. So I could say Midnight, the uh, Midnight Show number one, was my favorite single issue of the year. I could do that. It you could still,
2: do that. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it could still also fall under one of your other specialized categories. Yeah. As as
1: as a whole. Like, but this book just it's, makes it's my, my heart hard, sing. It really does. I, I love the cover love the third it.
2: issue that, that we're going to get with the three with, with with the dweller and and the Necrowolf wolf and and.
1: Can't we just call it the creature? Like, we why can. do we? Well, we, I, can. The we can I'm fine with calling it the creature. We so know we're weird. About. It's it's um, weird.
2: I I I like that. Uh, just thinking about it as as we were breaking down Brian's resume, he's kind of at with with Midnight Show. He's basically drawn a book for each of us. He got the sixth gun for Jason with the Western motif. This for Vince, obviously, and and I love the period noir of of uh, of the damp. Uh, you know i've never read the damn oh my god yeah yeah i I never read it well we're gonna we're gonna upload the form for for november's book of the month so there's a couple ideas for folks there
1: you go i kind of like the the not so subtle uh nudge nudge with the creature where it says "Well, yeah technically he only really appeared in one film (laughs) but that's not true because there was more than one creature from the black lagoon film but he, it was different in subsequent films. Creature walks among us is not the same creature as in Creature from the Black Lake. I mean, it is, but it's visually, it's not. Yeah, I just this is just oh my god, it's so good. And and you know the thing for me is because we buy so many comics, and you you have to you have to. Um, shuffle as necessary right and usually that shuffling is based on um immediacy like i need to read this right now so you know the closer the books are to the top of the stack each month the 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 more love we have for these titles and hot damn when when i get a copy of the midnight show it just leaps to the top Of the stack. No questions. I need to read this right now, which is really weird that I forgot it last week because I don't have the the luxury of the pull list function that we used to have, right? Where everything just, you just hit, you know, the pull list thing and it just populates your, your order with all the stuff you buy. Like I actually have to go through the list every week and just Put it in a notepad because when I go to the shop, I don't want to forget anything. But last week, I did. Like, I just, because I don't buy a whole lot of Dark Horse other than the Masters of the Universe stuff and uh, a Hellboy thing or two that I, I just kind of like, okay, here's Dark Horse. And no, then there's nothing there. But The Midnight Show was like buried within the Dark Horse listing and I missed it. And I'm dumb because it's, I, I would say this is my favorite book right now. I don't think there's too much question about that, right? There you go. <clears throat> yeah. The Czar f- is such a dick. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Do should we? T- no, let's not tell them who pops. No, no, no. Day. I mean, it's
2: two weeks old, but no,
1: it is old. Yeah. yeah. It's so. Uh, but I was amazed at just how many people died in this issue.
2: Seriously, yeah. And, I mean, because cause after the first issue, you kind of you've established. Who, who who the cast is and and who the who you sh- who you could be rooting for and and I mean and they're just it's it's like Cullen's like don't don't get too attached it, it's like Walking Dead up in this piece do not
1: yeah don't, don't. but I'm thinking Cullen spent a good amount of of time on Buddy and Trina's maybe sorta kind of relationship that Uh I'm thinking we're going to see Trina again or because he was wounded by the Necrowolf he's either going to wolf out and I think the mummy is going to have some sway over Trina because she's dead so he could probably the mummy could probably hopefully he's got some, some infernal ability to reanimate the dead I mean look all around him He's surrounded, but yeah. So I'm thinking. I don't
2: even know if there's anything left of Trina.
1: I don't think we've seen the last of Trina.
2: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, if I if I know Colin, well, <laughs> it, it, that I mean, it would, he's it, not going to do sense. something as as uh, he's not going to expend narrative fleshing out Trina the way he did to just have her get her face ripped off and and get eaten in the second issue and just let it stay there. I think Trina's gonna come back in some way.
0: What the? What's up with the necro wolf, though? Why not just call it a werewolf?
2: Because he was bitten by Dracula. because he's bitten by
1: Dracula, <laughs> dude. It's he's not just a wolf mm. man. He's necro. Okay. That's why his face
2: kind of like that. That's why look at his nose. Okay. Kind of, oh, like, cool. Which okay. makes yeah. so
1: if you were bitten by Dracula, and you have lycanthropy, can you also uh, employ the the various abilities of? a vampire? Like can you turn to smoke or a bat? We'll find out. That's going to be really mm-hmm. neat. Like we've only yeah, scratched the surface happens. of the necrowolf. And yeah. when this is all over, hopefully the wolf survives and we get a necrowolf mini series cuz that no, is oh, a good idea.
2: With 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 your with, with your it, vast it's been knowledge done. of of everything. Okay, it has. Yeah, it's been done. right. Yeah. Well, or just Oh so yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, Spanish uh yes. The Paul Naschy, there's he. There was a, uh, a an incarnation of the Wolfman that was bitten by a vampire. Yes,
2: it does. It it makes sense. It is. It's it's, it's awesome. It's a great concept. Yeah. I, I can't believe like it took. It what took would to happen, this for it to like click that it just?
1: What did. would happen if if Dracula bit Frankenstein? Probably nothing because he's like he's already dead. He's technically dead, yes. but I mean, no, he is animated, but. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. Um, it's cool to think about, right? But yeah. Uh the mummies of prayer. What if the werewolf bit Frankenstein's monster?
2: Would that would he turn into would he, Well, would, that's would the he whole thing. If
1: if you're out in the in the moors in the full moon and you're 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 uh wounded by the, the a werewolf, you you uh Get ly- lycanthropy as well. You turn into a, or you you get the curse. You, every yeah. full moon you will turn into a wolf. That's an American werewolf, in yeah. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, here's the here's the thing that pisses me off. Well, we okay, were I- we were doing um something in class, and um the subject of of werewolves came up, and I'm just like. Y'all ever see the the transformation scene in American Werewolf uh, in London? And they're just like, uh, and I brought it up on YouTube, uh, and yes. I showed them, and they're just like, mm. oh well, yeah. Like, what they're is like, wrong? You're like, you're an old head professor. What is wrong with you? This is one of the best scenes in in horror cinema history, and it's not doing anything for you. And then when when he he bites the head off. And it rolls across, they were just like, eh, whatever. I was like, okay. Kids today. So out of touch. Like, I love that movie. That movie's great. Yes. All-time classic. It is a wonderful movie. Yeah. And the Nazi werewolves? Ugh. Chef's kiss. Poor Griffin, though. Yeah.
0: Man, I haven't seen that in a minute. The it's piece actually, of flesh.
2: Was funny is, I was, I was um, <laughs> flipping through the channels the other night i think it was last weekend and fucking like bbc america was showing it that's why it's on top of mind but it was like it was the first time i remember it's it's the first time i saw any scenes of it it's, it's after the shower scene and it's it's he's, he's about to turn because he's pacing through the living room and he's like it's about to hit so i know exactly what Vince is talking about but that those handful of minutes was the most or, or it's the first i've seen any of the movie in in ages in a lot of years so yeah Yeah. it's
1: definitely been a minute jenny Agutter or agutter however you pronounce her last name oh good god she's beautiful just just beautiful but the 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 scene um whenever uh after uh what's his face gets attacked um griffin dunn and he's got Mm -hmm. that that piece of flesh that's hanging from his (laughs) neck and whenever he talks it starts flapping and shaking and jiggling that I was howling appropriately when when the, on the big That's screen. A like, movie. That is nuts. That is, oh, the howling's great too. The first the first howling's really great. Yeah, but whatever. We're we're getting sidetracked. Uh, Read the Midnight Show. Yes, Jim Oakes is so
2: yes. good. I mean, we're 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 at the halfway mark now, but definitely. I
1: I hope we get more. But it's been um, jam packed so far. Like I know it's it's crazy.
2: I, I, it's, it's absolutely, it's one of my favorite things Colin's written. And I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of his stuff. I, I, I love well, the fucking band and I, I think the sixth gun is great, but I'm, I'm absolutely loving Midnight, which is so weird because of the subject matter, but it's, it's just great seeing this team back together again, doing a cool story.
1: But it just makes me wonder about why did Colin take so long? Like, this is a no brainer. Like, don't you think, like, Colin has made his mark on comics as a- as a writer of horror right mm-hmm. why has it taken him so long to do this
2: Maybe well, we can ask him, but maybe it's one of those things where like a lot of his work he, 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 i mean I'm not going to talk about like the the monster stuff for marvel but the uh, but his indie work his creator own stuff like it's all it all seems to basically original ideas more or less. Whereas this is actually borrowing on subject matter that we're all familiar with. It may be if he had done it earlier in his career, it might have been one of those things where oh he's just that's 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 his shtick. That that oh. that's whereas now he's obviously had so much success and so many pieces of work under his belt you yeah. can kind of have fun and and just mess around with this. I'm guessing. I don't But know. it's so like, smart.
1: Like let's just use Frankenstein yeah. and Dracula because they're both public domain. Smart. It's not the wolfman from Universal. It is a wolfman or a werewolf. It's not the mummy. It's a mummy. Like that's just smart. Does it does it, it matter to anybody that this is not uh Amenhotep or whatever from the yeah. like who cares? It's a mummy. right Right? and yes it's not the creature we won't call it the name that they call it because it's silly but um it's not the creature it is a creature that is very reminiscent of the creature but it's just so smart i think and at the end you know again that person super smart
2: i wonder if also maybe dark horse had it for a while and they were just like oh okay it's gonna be it's we're entering the halloween season so let's you don't sit on a
1: brian hurt book you get that shit out there. I would. Well, right. It could
0: also be the, the, that Colin, like Brian, was finally looking to work again in comics. And they yeah. were like, let's do it. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Brian's maybe, like, yes. oh, i I always, always want to do some of the Universal Monsters. Can we do something with that? And Colin's like, oh, that's not a bad. You know, who knows? Yeah.
1: Poor Trina. I love this
0: book. I went on the
1: show. We've only talked about it for 15 years. We might find out the answers to these but things. Trina, she was a cutie. Not anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> At one time, she was. It was so vicious the way he just ripped that damn face like, off. It was,
2: like, it was. It was. It was like a Mission Impossible mask rip off. It was crazy. Yeah.
1: I, uh, you see just, the mouth. The mouth was yes. all. Stri- oh God. Oh, God, Lord. Yeah. Well, well done, uh,
2: boys. <sighs> uh, speaking of dead, or almost dead. Um, something else. I decided to just try to win. Um because I do like a blazes output um, to a degree, but this, this is called almost dead um, written by galaxy. That's it. Uh, art by Ryan Benjamin. However, the cover is by Tyler Kirkham. Uh, John Livesey does inks and it's, um, it's, uh, zombie book uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say we're um, we're introduced to uh, to a young woman who is uh, who's getting off a plane uh, the, the plane is at the sky and and, and when it lands she uh, she the planes, and it's extremely humid outside because it's July and so of course people talk about what do you expect she's landed in Maryland and she's on her way uh, to see um to visit her uncle Owen. No idea if Amberu is there as well, but we have, she's, she's walking towards, um, she knows, and, and on her Blackberry, which kind of gives me an idea as to what era this, this story takes place in, but she's on her Blackberry, doesn't have a lot of bars. Um, so, uh, none of her messages have gone through to let everybody know that she's on her way. Um, thinking about calling her uncle. Uh, but, the whole idea of her coming back is, is because it's supposed to be a surprise um the mailbox is also full so there's really even no point in calling she's on her way to the restroom uh, and there's a dude like by the um, by the moving walkway uh, on the other side of it and he's just like scratching at a wall his back is to her so she doesn't um, we don't we don't see she doesn't see what it is he, he, he is, but he's when the reader, when we get the panel close up of, of, of the back of his head and, and his shoulders, um, his, uh, he's like doing a low grumble. Uh, he's, he looks bruised, disheveled, but he is just scratching at the wall. And, and she's just kind of like walking by there. Like, right, that's weird. Uh, she's from a far enough distance where she's not like walking by him. She just sees him. But makes her way towards um, towards the restroom, and you hear somebody help, and and she's not paying any mind. So she's in the restroom now, and this woman, is screaming at the guy who is scratching at the wall, saying, you know, begging him, please, you're bleeding, just stop. And then the police show up, and they're like, you're hurting yourself, please desist, and and she's like, she, she's this woman is just screaming at this at, at this dude, just just like whatever the hell you're doing. That's when he turns around and he's just, he starts growling at her. And now you have a few people who were just like, let's just go. Mind your business. Let's not see here. Let's just keep moving. But you have a couple other people who are just like, Oh my God. And they're just staring and, and kind of sort of getting involved. They do see the dude has has blood on his hands, but then they're also looking at his face and he's, he's very pale or, or gray. Um, he, uh, they just keep... He looks just wrong. There's something physically about his appearance that just you would not try to have a conversation with this dude. But these police officers are just trying to say, hey, this is your last warning. We need you to calm down. We need you to stop what you're doing. It's like he's not... He hasn't said anything. He's not doing anything. He's just, like, kind of nonchalantly meandering to them. And then you see him, like, scratching his at the top of his head and then you see him start to rip pieces of himself in shadows. We don't, it's not in detail. Um, and then he lunges at the cops. One of them tries to, um, pull out, uh, pull out his weapon. Uh, but before we see any of that, we cut back to the young lady in the, um, in the restroom. She's, uh, she's washing her face and then she's thinking about a flashback. Um, so Sarah is is the young lady, but she's um, she's she's talking to a little boy by the name of Jake. Um, an older person is holding on to an adult is holding on to Sarah's hand, so the three of them are all walking towards this house. And Jake asks Sarah if you know he can stay in her room tonight, and she says, "Sure, I'll, I will always protect you." Um, but her uncle Owen has this sketchbook and and he's he's tapping away on a computer and and he's just like he's telling sarah my work is off limits don't 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 go rifling through my papers don't come down here and check any of this out um and and she's just looking through this sketchbook of a bunch of drawings where there is somebody who looks like um a a uh a pharaoh there's some dinosaurs here there's 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 a drawing of a skull it, it's just it's not a good looking it it's a book that's it's a sketchbook that seems to be filled with violent acts or the aftermath of of violent acts uh sarah just thinks the book is is freaking spooky she's startled by a bunch of uh, loud bangs possibly the gunfire um and she she makes her way to the door, slips, and when she slips and she hits her head on the floor, uh, she also kicks down the um, the bar that prevents the door from anyone from coming into the restroom. Uh, so it's, a, it's a security feature. Um, and while she is... Knocked out, we uh, we 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 seem to be transported to to Egypt, where a bunch of um, a bunch of slaves are basically enrobing. Uh, you think that they're about to like basically perform the ritual to, to, to make mummies, um, but heads are getting cut off instead as as they're all laying on this table, and uh, and so they're just all kind of, the heads are all just kind of tossed in a pit. And then we see three days later, Sarah wakes up on the floor of the restroom, uh, missing one of her shoes, and 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 dried blood caked on her head, um, has no idea what the hell happened. She's picking up her phone. Um, she takes the, the bar away from the door so she can Step outside into the concourse of the airport um the whole place is empty, and like they, there's the floor is dirty, the walls are filthy uh her blackberry screen is cracked battery is dead she's like, but it was full when I was landed that, that's so weird she she has no idea about the time the time change and the or, or the jump she't did know she was out for for more than three days um and she's walking by one of the, win- uh, the it's an airport so you have nothing but windows looking out onto the tarmac and the runways and she sees um three people standing over someone else that's laying down on the ground um and she can't make out that these dudes like aren't exactly human or alive uh but they are wearing they're they're obviously Airport employees, um, because they're wearing safety vests and and the the earmuffs, and so they're they're just staring at this body on the ground. But she starts, Sarah starts tapping at the window, and now they turn around and they look up, and and they just they're not doing anything. They don't wave back or anything. And she's just like, oh, I know they saw me. They're just so rude. And then you see. She goes down the escalator, and in the distance there are some other zombies banging on a window, trying to get to her. And and again, she's not. Her vision is obviously impaired because she can't make out what what how these people are looking. Um, makes her way outside. Head's killing her still. It's bright. Uh, still no idea where anyone is. Cars are just not moving on the streets on in, in the parking lot of the of the airport um they're all abandoned and she's just like i, I just i gotta get home i don't know if there's a power outage or something this is just so weird um car won't start one of the ones she walks she just goes up to and and, and tries to get inside and, and opens the door car won't start all the cars are empty um she's trying to figure out if the cars were just running until they all ran out of gas she still feels dizzy she tries a minivan and um and gets inside and goes to try and 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 tries to turn the engine um but then this woman comes banging up on the uh comes running up onto the van starts banging on the, the driver's side window um you gotta help me you gotta help me it's right behind me you gotta open the door and sarah's just completely out of it um and and she's just dazed and confused and and completely, she's looking straight at this woman, no idea what the hell this woman's carrying on about. Um, She's not even sure if what she's seeing is actually real. She's just completely just concussed, obviously. Uh, But one of these creatures, zombies, walkers, whatever, grabs this woman who was trying to get help, uh, rips her to shreds, chomps away on her. Sarah's Conked out again asleep literally asleep at the wheel but what's weird is that the the back of the minivan the the, the trunk the door is open so anybody could kind of just stupid help themselves in um so it's it's night it's very dark she wakes up again it's now eleven o'clock at night um all she's thinking to herself is well, I must have passed that after my flight why is my head killing me she's not I'm she she does end up getting this van to start and and she's like oh my god the city has gone down the drain it's so messy everywhere she's just completely oblivious to everything going on around her um like, i you would have thought this was like made to be a comedy or something but they're, they're, they're playing it straight um she's trying to remember how the hell to get to her uncle's house um she thinks because she's fucking out of it, she thinks this is a rental car. She thinks the rental company gave her this minivan, and she then requests a minivan. That, that's just how completely, how completely gone she is. Um, van finally runs out of gas, so she hoofs it back. She, she hoofs it the rest of the way. Um, pretty sure she's uh, she, she's made it to her uncle's house. It's extremely dark. Um, door is locked. No one's answering the door. She climbs the. Uh, she climbs up to the second floor window. Um, she's feeling weak, can't open it. Feels like she's about to pass out again. Knocks on the window some more, uh, screaming for 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 someone to open the door. Screaming for Uncle Owen. She sees she's through the window. She's looking in the room. Someone's coming into the room. She's still knocking, but of course she falls back because she's not graceful at all. Lands on the ground and you see a shadow over looking over her body as it's the end of the issue unfortunately the uh the next issue blurb and cover well, the the cover cover might be cover could be just another person who's trying to you know survive in whatever the hell world this is but the um the blurb for for the the next issue kind of gives away what that last panel was about, um, I as first issue, I figured I'd try. it, uh, Tis the season and all that, but um, I I won't be back for the second issue just because I it, it, it's hard for me to worry about whether or not this Sarah's going to survive the story because I I can't believe she survived this far. It, it, she, she's been passed out for most of the issue and. And everything's going on around her. It's just I don't. It would probably, if you were watching this, if it was a movie or or, or a show, the, the tension would probably be there. You'd have the music, you'd, you'd you'd have the suspense and the tension. But here, you're just you're you're flipping pages, and it's just you don't get that. I wasn't getting any of the, of the drama that you would get from, from an issue of The Walking Dead, for example. And I don't want to compare it to that because it's just it's it's, it's lying fruit. But it's just I. I just, I, I, I was hoping, I'd, I'd kind of get more out of it, and I, I just, I didn't.
1: See, this is a problem. What? This, this is not a unique situation with with the zombie genre. the The general public are so stupid in yeah. zombie movies, and the main characters slightly less less so. But that's what set Walking Dead apart i'm not talking about the comic and maybe i am Mm -hmm. but the the tv show that's what set that first episode of walking dead apart from the standard zombie genre stuff was that rick knew pretty much immediately that he was in a bad spot he didn't know exactly what was going on but he knew that he had to stay away from other people as soon as you see somebody ripping apart another human being don't you think like hmm, something's up, right? Like, and then when you see it again, doesn't that convince you that there's a there's something going on that's affecting people? Uh, I don't expect the main players in a zombie anything book, novel, comic, movie, whatever, to be Michio Kaku. Like, I don't need super intelligence going into this. But when you see, a, like, it's a classic Romero setup where there's somebody in the distance or or away from the main character and they're not acting quite right you know they're they're shuffling or they're moving erratic in in strange ways and then they do something that's like holy shit this person's not right and you may think it's an isolated incident but like if you're tapping on the window and there's people outside just like something's up like don't you get it like that's a problem and to, to me it's just lazy writing it's just the writer's not doing an adequate job setting up the like people aren't that stupid if, i mean if you were in a riot what would you do get away from people or try to get away from people a zombie infestation is the same thing as a riot just stay away from people or whatever these things are it's not that hard to to write a convincing um anything in the zombie genre but yet we get the same stuff where the main characters are so dumb that they don't get what's going on until some like a a secondary or tertiary character gets killed and they're just like oh this shit's weird like <laughs> it's it's not that hard like i don't know and what you were telling me was like i would have tapped out way earlier than you did. Like, I probably wouldn't oh, you have would been, yeah. I would never have even finished the issue because this woman sounds incredibly stupid. She really is. And, and, and she's, and when you said, Oh, the back of the van was open, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Crawl in the back of the thing and close the damn hatch. Like, uh-huh. why wouldn't you protect yourself? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly. Um, hard on anything in the zombie genre because I'm just so yeah. tired of stupid characters. Yeah. It, uh, whatever. But I mean, the art looks decent. Yeah, I mean, because Benjamin Benjamin's been around a minute. Yeah, he, the he, art looks it, decent. He, it's just sad it's, that it's
2: definitely serviceable. But yeah. I just I as I, and not I, I, even halfway through, I'm like Vin, Vince would never.
1: No, I, was <laughs> no. Just, was,
2: I mean, like you might the, the concept like we don't know why they're like the way they are we don't know what happened yet and that's and that's fine but it's just i can't even to get to that i have to put up with this woman and it's just like that's it's it's such an obstacle like i just
1: how ah. can you how can you root for someone or actually be concerned with the well-being of someone that is so dumb like you're done just die
2: even even before she was concussed, it was like she, she was kind of living in her own world, like, oblivious to everything going on around. And I'm just like, well, then I have. So you're just going to Mr. Magoo your way through through this right. nuclear holocaust. Like, man, <laughs> I don't, <Mr>. I, <laughs>
1: <sighs> Very nice. Very nicely played. But it not. it's just like who has time for this shit? right mm-hmm. and you just don't like, and, and it may be one of those things where oh she'll come around in issue like four or five <laughs> nobody has that kind of time i got time for this like e- you either survive or you don't and it and i can see if it was like the the uh the dawn of the dead remake where the zombies were super fast then we got a problem because you oh, don't even ha- like
2: World War Z yeah yeah
1: you don't have exactly you don't have all that much time to react but when they're shamblers even if it's mm-hmm. like a a, a horde of them I think you got a little bit of time <laughs> to make a decision <laughs> like you're okay they're, you know pump up your sneakers and yeah just open. don't back yourself into a corner and you're good I, uh, yes I'm downplaying it but in essence that's pretty much what it is don't yeah. Put a wall behind you, or you know, a building or something, or a, a fence. Just get the hell out of the way. I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't. It, there's there's not a whole lot of of common sense in zombie movies and and comics and and stuff. It's yeah. It is a problem. It is because yeah. But that's why um, Kirkman was so smart. Where th- they can be a threat if written well. And and Kirkman showed that a bunch of zombies in the right situation can be a real freaking threat. Y- even though they move super slow, there's way more of them than you. And if you're not cunning and, you know, plan carefully your your path of escape, you can get eaten pretty easily. But I think Kirkman's characters were... On average, in aggregate, as they say, Um <laughs> nice. Is smarter than than most characters in in any zombie thing, right? Rick is really smart, hence yeah. his 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 survival through oh, like a whole lot, <laughs> like a whole lot of, of a lot of messes, right? And and Michelle, like the, Daryl, they're and Carol, they're they're all smart characters, but. I've seen a lot of dumb bunnies in, in, in zombie films. Like, yeah. Like Barbara's in Night of the Living Dead is super stupid. She's dumb. And she deserved to die. If you're dumb, you deserve to die in a zombie movie. It's just, that's the, the bottom line. Yeah. Whatever. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this It has been brought to you once again by the wonderful people at CheapGraphicNovels.com. Cheap Graphic Novels, that's what you're going to get. Omnibu, Graphic Novels, OGNs, Trade Paperbacks, Manga, all that stuff. For a fraction of the price printed anywhere on it. Even Amazon, right? You're going to get an email saying, thank you for ordering from CheapGraphicNovels.com. You're going to reply to it saying, my buddies." over at 11 o'clock comics told me to come and max is going to say well done sailor here is how hard here's a free shipping on your next order you're going to love it and if you would be so kind do us a solid and check out our patreon page patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics whole lot of shaking going on over there audio video images polls, a dedicated Slack channel that we all uh, throw down every day about everything. So just check that out, 11 O'Clock Comics. uh, It's patreon.com first, forward slash 11 O'Clock Comics. Two things uh, of of, uh, which I would like you to be aware. Did you know that the first issue of The Punisher arrived today. Now why is that noteworthy? Dave, ah, I know other, why. Other than the fact that it's a new incarnation of the Punisher, and I say whatever to that, the only reason why I looked at it in the first place what it, is because it is beautifully drawn by our good friend Dave Wacter. Dave did an exemplary job on it it is a wonderful thing to behold i haven't read it yet but it's out there and it's really nice to look at so go get yourself the first issue of the punisher that's really not my in your travels this is in, in my in your travels in your travels this was a kickstarter that uh, i recently received it is a trade paperback um it's called Ink and Drink Long Beach Sewer Boys. Now when I say sewer boys, who do you think of? Not the Island Boys. Wow, no, it's the teenage it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yo? That's right. Yeah, it is a bunch of artists under the um uh who edited this? Let's see. Well, it says forward by Nathaniel Asolo, and uh, there's a bunch of people involved in this. The whole thing is, it it is an homage, it's a tribute, a loving tribute to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because the book is dedicated to Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Take it from there. Now, it it, it the the representation of the turtles swings wildly. Some of them are by the numbers, and they're very much in the spirit of Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. And others, not so much, which is cool because we get to see our boys rendered in a in a variety of, of different styles and approaches. Here's the cool thing about this, though: there 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 is a, a narrative in the beginning of the the first part of the book. In the back of the book, it's, it's all like pinups and stuff and different. Uh, artists tackle the, the turtles and, uh, other characters from the turtles universe. But there's a story going on here and they, they must have passed around pages to the artists and some artists, uh, took, uh, the same pages. So as you're reading this, it, you know, the story is, is progressing and, um, something will happen on one page and you take note of the dialogue because it's very Turtle esque, right? Uh, or should I say Eastman and Laird esque? And then the next page, it's the same events. So, um, more than one artist worked on a particular page, which I think is really cool because it's like a Spider Verse type thing where there's a glitch in reality mm-hmm. and you see you know um events depicted through the lens of one artist and then the very same events depicted through the lens of a different artist i like that i think that, i mean it's the same uh dialogue it's the same narrative captions it's it's pretty much the same everything but interpreted by different artists that's a very unique approach. And um, I really like this book a lot. Um, It's black and white, as it should be. So, I mean, you get cartoony turtles, you get Eastman and Laird turtles, you get hyper-realistic turtles, uh, you get expressive, uh, (laughs) surreal-looking turtles. Like, it it spans the gamut. This is a really cool uh, exercise. So, if you love, like me, and uh, hopefully everybody listening to this, if you love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I would really um, take, uh, you know, I don't know where to get this. It was a Kickstarter, but I'm sure if you Google Ink and Drink Long Beach Sewer Boys with a Z, something's going to come up. It, it's it's wonderful. But, uh, but I'm a diehard uh, uh, Turtle fan. So, I mean, there's even some... Uh, pictures of the teenage mutant ninja. Like there's one page where um, Shredder's going. You know, he's he's recounting the history of of how he encountered the boys, and it's it's uh, also an homage to Mega Man because it says select your turtle, and it's the, the 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 Mega Man you know character selection screen, and it has Leo and Mike and Donnie and Raph, but they're the action figures, and there's a dot screen. Uh, on them. Some of the artists took great liberties with the narrative because, um, the very same, uh, part of the narration where Splinter is, is, um, recounting his events, he says, I began training the, the, then training, then teaching you all that I had learned from watching 80s action movies, which is not the same thing. Um as previous pages, but the Turtles are now Optimus Prime, Snake Eyes, Godzilla, and Usagi Yojimbo. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. But they don't appear anywhere else than other than that page. So yeah, he took liberties with the narrative, but it doesn't continue past his page, whoever this artist was. I can look it up, but it doesn't really matter. So yeah, it's cool. It's It's a neat little off-the-cuff a uh, loving uh, tribute to our boys from the sewer, hence the title "Sewer Boys." It's great. Go get it. I forget how much it was. Maybe twenty bucks. I don't know. But it's good. Really good. If you're a turtle fan, you need it. Excellent. Yeah. You guys didn't back I it. it. I gotta get it. No, I didn't. I didn't. I do remember. I do remember seeing it though.
2: I remember seeing it posted. I don't know why the hell I didn't bag it.
1: There was a couple of guys, himself. a couple of guys on the Slack um, that don't reside within the United States. Were kind of salty that the postage was so much,
2: for sure. Yeah, yeah
1: so maybe you know that uh, I'm sure stateside people can grab this for on the cheapness. But if you don't reside within the wonderful boundaries of the United States, um, it may be difficult to, to to procure this. I don't know. It was fun. I. I Again, as with everything I talked about tonight, it's just pure nostalgia, comfort stuff, with my
2: my four yeah, turtle friends. If uh, yeah, if you go if you go to the Kickstarter, you can you click uh, order it now. You can get it for twenty five uh, dollars. Twenty five from from Irwin Papa. Dot
1: mm. Is that shipping included? Prob's not. Mm. It's only, I'll be totally honest, since, you know, uh, complete transparency is our goal, it's, it's around 100 and...
2: 124 black-only pages.
1: Yeah, I think 25 is pushing it for this. Uh, it, it, in terms of value, is there $25 worth of turtle joy within these pages? Yes. But if you're a materialist... Right. You would compare this to other trade paperbacks from other publishers and be like, mm, 25 is a tad bit steep for this.
2: Yeah, because, and just going through the motions, once it's in your shopping cart, standard shipping is about seven bucks. So I know you're after the $30 mark. Yeah,
1: that's a bit. Yeah, i would tell you the truth. If I didn't back to Kickstarter, I wouldn't pay 30 some bucks for this
2: yeah yeah because your print copy yeah was was 20 that included the pdf you get out. you could have gotten a pdf for eight but yeah it's so yeah yeah and, and the funding ended in september so P-
1: I do remember sorry, I, are not a bonus for me like whatever. no no
2: no i mean it's nice to throw it in if you're buying the print one as it is but it's not no i don't know anybody who's oh i got the physical copy now let me go and rip my ipad and read it there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah let me put this book on the shelf and only read it on my my digital device
2: and it's fine if you're commuting and you're like oh listen i'm about to go so i gotta hop on this plane so i'm not gonna take this book with me Okay, yeah to scrap. But, but still I,
1: that's just yeah, i'm a lump i don't go anywhere so i, I know digital stuff is nothing to me i don't care I know that's a big perk within the role-playing um Kickstarter arena, where it's just like, oh, if you, and I can see where, you know, role-playing, digital version, that's cool, because then you don't mm-hmm. have to take 10,000 books to the table with you when, when you're embarking on a campaign. If you're a DM, that's a luxury to be able to just flip through your iPad for rules and stuff, where you don't have to take a stack of books with you. That's cool. But for comics, nah, don't care. In so, your travels.
2: Nice. Speaking of PDFs, because... That's how I was able to get this. Because it's not out. Actually, depending on where you look online, it was either supposed to be out this week or if you go to cheapgraphicnovels.com, you'll see the release date is next week. But I'm talking about from Z2 by Dr. Dave Chisholm, Miles Davis and the Search for the Sound. And this is absolutely phenomenal. I know Dave is... Done. Other work on extremely talented musicians, um, and this is right up there uh, with, with with the rest of them. Um, the art's absolutely fantastic. If if, if you're familiar with Tristram's work, you'll um, you'll know exactly what you're getting here. Uh, it's got a forward by Aaron Davis, um, but it is uh, it is written, drawn, colored, and lettered by Dave it is um, it was uh, comprised the, the the story the book itself uh, it's adapted from um, Davis's own words from autobiography from uh, from essays from interviews there's a bibliography um, in the back uh, breaks down the books the articles the liner notes the videos uh, that, that that he read and watched to uh, to make this a reality it's um and it's not it, it's it's not necessarily miles's origin story from when he was a little boy i mean it, it it starts um when he's uh making his way to to new york um originally for for juilliard and he was there for for a few semesters but uh but he just he wanted to uh, to make music the the, the book starts off in 1982, um, following his stroke, where um, where the paralysis um, really fucked with his right hand, right arm, um, and so he wasn't able wasn't able to play the trumpet. And uh, his um, his doctor, his therapist, um, says, uh, "Listen, here's a pencil. Put this in your right hand, the hand we're going to rehab, and just start drawing." and miles is like doc i don't draw and he's like nah i get that i this is going to be a new thing for you and that's he starts to he starts to draw and he starts to scribble and and we cut to uh, 1933 where um he's walking through a uh, young miles davis is walking through the woods and he hears music but music he's never heard before and that's just that's all it took It's like that's that's all he wants to do, um, and so uh, so yeah, he um, he. A handful of years later, and he's uh, he's on a train, leaving East St. Louis to uh, to to get to New York, and uh, he talks about meeting Bird and 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 Dizzy and what he was tra- what Miles Davis was trying to do with music, and and talked about what some of the other musicians were doing and, and how their their music isn't necessarily, you know, hummable or, or something that's going to stick with you for a while. It's kind of just, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's their music. It's theirs. But, but, you know, Miles has something else in mind and and, and what he envisions and uh, the, the other musicians, the other artists he works with, they all need to like kind of basically, he's not trying to be a band leader where he's telling everybody what to do. Everybody needs to, feel their music and 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 do what they want to do and and, and it'll all work um so miles is very has a very kind of different style than some other musicians and um and band leaders but uh he it's it it's just so well done his father is super supportive uh whatever son wants to do whatever miles wants to do dad's going to back him um Irene, the mother of, uh, of his daughter shows up because, um, because Miles's mom told Irene where to find Miles. And, uh, so, um, Charlie Parker was living with Miles at the time, but they, uh, they, they, they got Charlie another place to, to stay while Irene and the baby was with, was, was with Miles. Um, obviously it wasn't, wasn't an easy relationship. Uh, book's broken up across chapters, and we, we see other other executives, other musicians, other uh, other other artists and creators that the the mouse meets along the way. It's it's just it's a beautiful book. Um, like I said the hardcover should be out next week, um, but this was uh, this was just. This is phenomenal. I, I uh, cannot wait to get my hands on it. Shout out to Dave for, uh, for for sending the PDF. It's it's just it's an amazing piece of work. So yeah, in your travels, definitely definitely check out Miles Davis and the Search for the Sound. Cannot wait. You're gonna love it. Yeah, for sure. For
0: sure. <clears throat> um. In your travels, check out—I uh, believe the first issue was in *In Your Travels* as well. So maybe I'll actually talk at length about one of these issues. Uh, but *In Your Travels*, check out rare flavors number two. Yes, written by Ram V with art by Philippe Andrade. Um, you know, th- this book is—it uh, had big shoes to step into because the many deaths of Little Star, you know, was. Was one of the it books of that year and won all the awards and you know was was a great book um, for me just because of, of of the kinds of things that I'm into. This book is is running way past that book and I love that book. Um, you know, we, as we talked about the first issue, it's basically about a rockshed uh, Indian demon who comes to Earth to essentially be Anthony Bourdain and 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 because he loves food that much. And um, you know, the first issue they focused on. Um, on tea and crafted a story that was uh, you know, in part again, like Anthony Bourdain, like a very detailed description of the history of tea, the uses of it, the way they prepare it, the right way to prepare it and so forth. But then it had a horror twist ending. Same thing here. Um, This, this issue finds uh, our Rakshi and his documentarian friend uh, in a bus going through a very arid uh, part of the country, with a new person in their crew, a driver, um, heading to find, um, what is a, a basically a, uh, a, a gigantic field where they harvest a certain type of chili. It's the Mathanya Lal Merch chili. And it is a, um, it is a, uh, staple in Indian cuisine that, uh, it's a very hot chili measures 70,000 on the school, uh, scale. And it's basically their journey there. And, um, uh, just like in the first one, we learned about the history of these chilies, their they're best way to prepare them. Our, uh, our, our, our favorite food demon crafts a wonderfully delicious stew with the chilies uh, featuring uh, its uh, moss with red meat, uh, wild red meat uh, uh, and a chili broth. And, and let's just say that, um, you know, because dude is a demon, uh, not everybody in the entourage generally makes it out alive even though, uh, you know, um, he's a pretty happy-go-lucky dude aside from that. Uh, It's just a – like I said with the first two, it's just ridiculously quirky. Uh, Andrade's art just sings in this. I love books that, you know, take this little aside to give us this minutiae about something. Um, It's one of the reasons I love Moby Dick. You know, Moby Dick's one of my favorite books of all time, and and I would say it's a book where I totally understand if someone hates it because – there are entire chapters devoted to the very minutiae of things like scrimshaw or whaling or sailing, you know, it's, it's and it gets just very almost tedious. And that's kind of the point because it's supposed to draw you into the process. And so that I love things like that. And this book does that much less tedious way than something like a Dick for sure. But, but um, yeah, just wonderful, wonderful stuff. And, uh, you know, certainly I know that this is a book he'll love whether, you know, when, when he, you know, but issue by issue, or, or it's a series, and, and this is uh, you know, if you're a, a foodie, and I know lots of you in our circle of influence are both comic fans and foodies, uh, this book is a home run. You can't, you can't not, you can't not be reading this book. What's the matter with you? Vince,
1: you don't have to read this book. You don't like food, but no, I'm zero for two <laughs> on your on your in your travels. So there you go. Yeah, you because know, you hate Miles Davis. I mean, no, Miles is my dude. I <laughs> know, but no. I, I have you ever heard me speak on uh, a comic based on a mu- musical artist? I just won't read them. I just don't. I just I, I passed on the all red Bowie thing. I just I don't think the two worlds should collide. But that's just me. Like who cares? Yeah, that's, that's who cares? Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's all
2: good.
1: Hey everybody! Thank you for listening to this. Come back next time. where we'll have more of the same. And uh, maybe a sandwich, a cookie, Ooh. pizza. Ooh, what do we, Claremont, over here? Oh, maybe one of mine. Um, you know, go to a comic shop, buy some comics, talk about them, banter amongst your friends. But come to the socials because we have presences on Facebook. And uh, uh, threads, and uh, we have the dedicated Slack channel. You can join that I'll if you want. To just talk about the comics. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, say good night. She's going to attack me if I do this. <laughs> David. Good night. She let me down. Oh, she's sleeping. Yeah. Uh, no, she's not. David. Nice. Not bad. Tell them that That's you rough. love them more than oxygen. Molding
2: woods. Mm. I mean, but I need oxygen to breathe so that
1: I can well, keep telling them I them. love them. Right. But we need them as much as we need oxygen. Well, not as much as we need oh. That's silly. Okay. <laughs> Or water. Or food. Yes, but we need you people a lot. We do. So just come back. We'll be here. Probably next week, yeah? Seems likely. <laughs> There's no probably. <laughs> Even if it has to be one of us, we'll be here next week. There's the one of us. We can make it a good job. There's the one of us. That's it for that one.